Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Bring them The championship run deep in our vein. The entertainment rolling real cause it's all in the game. To us, you know, around the city doing it better than this. Just say look at this. You can look around who better than this. Nobody. Who your team, the Blazers, the Knicks, the Wizards, the Clippers, the Patriots, the Cowboys, Clippers, Tigers, the Chickens. USC, Gamecock, Shamrock, know what it is, man. Triple left a new podcast. Just join the game plan. Come on, come on. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your host Zay, Young Vander, and Bro Joe. What's poppin' and welcome back to the best new fantasy football podcast on the air. The Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast presented to you by Manscaped. I'm your host Zay. As always, I got my guy, hot at the people, Bro Joe. What's going on, Fantasy Fiend family? Yo, we have an action-packed show for you today. News and notes, fantasy, free agent, best fits, most likely scenarios, Super Bowl preview, and picks as well. We're going to have a whole lot of fun today. Join us on Facebook at the Fantasy Football Fiend Family Facebook group. If you need to get any information to us, we are at the Fantasy Football Fiend, again, F-E-I-N at gmail.com for promos and advertising. Let's go ahead and hop right on into your news. And now your fantasy news. Let's hop right into the news. We have several things going on, several hirings. Tom Brady retired. That literally happened uh, as we were preparing to record the last show. So the dust has kind of settled slightly on that. We're going to give him a few more weeks just to make sure he doesn't change his mind. But another quarterback that is contemplating his future, we have Aaron Rodgers, who is indicating he's going old dark 30 and he's going to do his drugs in the jungles of South Africa, wherever the <laughs> hell he goes. I mean, South America, wherever the hell he goes. I'm sick of this dude, man. First of all, I'm sorry, but NFL. Do your damn job. Like, how many how many times has this dude got to tell you he taking psychedelics and stuff? It's stuff that's against the law here in the U.S. that he's promoting, and y'all acting like he ain't said nothing. And he's telling you he's about to go on a four-day bender, and, and you're just that. good with that. Well, you enjoy your time, Aaron. We'll, we'll see what you do when you get back. Come on. Like, what are we doing here? I'm, I'm sick of this. I don't care where he goes. I don't care if he stays. I don't care if he retires. I'm just sick of Aaron Rodgers. While at the same time, the scuttlebutt is he – might end up in Vegas hooking back up with Devonta Adams. If I'm Vegas, I don't know if I want that smoke. It'll definitely get the coach a couple of uh, more years to get his feet wet, even if he only gets one year out of Rodgers and then he does decide to retire. Who knows what he's going to do? But what do you got on this guy, man? I'm just done talking about him. Like It's becoming almost like Brett Favre, right? When Brett Favre was playing, we loved him to death. He retired the first time. We understood why he came back and then why he came back. And I'm like, I'm, I'm done with it. And I think with Aaron Rodgers is just like, we understood his story. Like, yeah, you know, they, they drafted Jordan Love. You know, they hung you out to dry. You won two MVPs. But then you go back. And then you go back again for another season. Now it's this hoopla. I don't want to be there again. It's like, it's a broken record with him. And I'm just done talking about it. So just like you, how you, like you said, man. It's likely he'll be on the move this year. Hopefully we get some definitive news once he's done uh, doing he's doing out the country. We have a guy that we do have some definitive news on. A.J. Green, wide receiver now of Arizona Cardinals, 
once wide receiver of the Bengals. He is retiring this year. He went ahead and hung him up. I shots out to one of the guys who gave me several great years of fantasy production. Wish him well on his future endeavors. Now, a couple of guys that decisions are going to be made on here in the very near future. Dallas has a decision to make. And right now, it seems that they're leaning towards putting the franchise tag on Tony Pollard. And that leaves an interesting dilemma for them as far as whether or not they can work out a contract with Dalton Schultz. And they already have a couple of young guys in there at tight end that may be able to kind of fill the gap while they figure out who's going to be the main guy. But do you have a way that you're kind of leaning as far as what Dallas is going to do between tagging Pollard or Schultz? And if they tag one or the other, is that kind of telling what they plan on doing with the one that wasn't tagged? Especially looking at their salary cap situation, what's too preemptive is who they're going to kind of tag. Because if we look at it right now, they're negative seven million under the cap, which is really good considering how bad it is for other teams and situations. I think the situation where they have to look to kind of avoid the tag, we have to kind of look at the broader question. Do you know either way they're gonna give eleven million to a tight end, ten million to a running back? Which one of those fit more long term? Running backs or a dime a dozen, in my personal opinion. Someone with the skill set of Schultz. They don't come by night. You know what I mean? I think it kind of will favor him, in my personal opinion, as to who they'll tag. Because, again, this is a $10 million commitment to a running back where you can go ahead and get one of those in the draft. And I'm not trying to say uh, Pollard hasn't earned him a contract, given in light what they are needing to do to kind of be profitable in long term and kind of take care of the other assets, the micas, digs, things of nature. Either, I don't think either or will get tagged. If I had to lean one way, I'll go Schultz. Sean Payton ain't playing no games. He's coming in and laying Thank down the hammer already. <laughs> Thank you. So, so he says, all this special treatment for Russell Wilson, we done with this BS. Yep. Um, now, now, he didn't mention the parking spots or the offices and all that kind of stuff, but he did make mention of the fact that even though Russell has this kind of like own crew, own coaches and things of that nature, that won't be something that'll be done going forward. What Peyton is doing more than anything, and he's had a, he's had a conversation with this quarterback, make no bones about it, but he's taken the temperature of the room. He's had a conversation with his leader at the QB position, and they both know that there has to be kind of like a reigning in period, a, hey, we're all on the same team, and I'm the captain of this ship, so that everyone kind of fills in their role as need be, because Right now, everyone's looking at Russell and then other players as well and saying, hey, well, you know, you're being treated this way. I'm being treated that way. I don't know how I feel about this. I think what he's doing is he's kind of he's coming in. He's taking over the locker room and he's going to put Russell Wilson in a position that kind of like Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. I'm going to beat the guys up. All I need you to do is be a good leader and prop them up after I beat them down. So that way you get to be the hero. You get to be the the rah-rah guy instead of being the guy that has to be the you screwed up guy. And I don't think that guy was in the room with the rookie head coach with Nathaniel Hackett. So Russell Wilson kind of had to take on several roles that I don't think he was quite prepared for. Any thoughts as far as Sean Payton and the Broncos are concerned and how they are starting their uh, tenure there so far? I love it. And I think I, I want to paint a different Payton picture of Russell. And it's not to say he's a bad person, but – 
I think this is his first year being. Oh no, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm just saying teammates, like bad person and bad perspective of being a teammate, right. especially when you haven't garnered any favor, if you will, in Denver. You're brand new. Right. You haven't won a Super Bowl in Denver. These dudes don't know you from out. They know your name. Exactly. You know, and that was to my point, too, in saying is that he never was the guy. Like We looked around the league. We knew who Peyton was. We knew who Drew Brees was. We knew who Tom Brady was. And they commanded all these different things. And then I think, you know, Denver got him and was like, okay, we have that caliber guy. And they're doing things to what he thinks is accommodating to that kind of player. And he wasn't that guy. Let's be honest. He really wasn't that guy. It took him half the season to learn this playbook, to actually be proficient in this playbook. Like he said, all these things in favor of the parking lot, the office, the T3 staff being in there. So I honestly love something like this. I love, like, Peyton just tucking this into the bed. This was an issue that kind of demoralized the team in a sense. No, we're all equal. You're going to have my coaching. You're going to have our staff. Everybody else got to go. I know it was something similar with Brady, where Brady had the the TB12 staff. I think that was different because – I'm not trying to, I'm, this might sound crazy, but they were actually helping the players. They're actually, you know, working with players and stuff like that. These guys was just for Brady. His quarterback coach and everything else was just for Russell in that sense, where the TB12 staff was in a similar light. But even Bill Belichick had to squash that as well. I think for Russell, it's a, it's a lot of, I think it's a lot of pressure. Again, like we didn't ask him to do a lot because we put so much of the offense around what he already had done a lot through college. And now you're going to be asked by a grown man to learn something and to make it work. Not people coddling you and you got the right coach now. Like Hackett to me was real light on him. And we've seen uh, right. yeah. setting the tone early. I agree. Definitely. Another tone setter, uh, Steve Wilkes. Looks like he's going to be the DC for the 49ers. <laughs> it's not written in stone yet, but it looks like it's going to be that way. Another DC hire, Brian Flores to the Vikings. I love that move for the Vikings. That's going to give them much-needed toughness. They already have the offense. Now they put a a stamp on that defense. And in that particular division, there's no reason they should not lead that division unless they allow Chicago to quickly catch up with them. So I'm glad they did what they did on defense because they do have Chicago to to contend with as far as their offense. And I don't think Green Bay is going to be that bad, even if losing Aaron Rodgers because it's going to open up quite a bit of cap space for them to get a few other pieces that they've been missing. And we're going to go over here in a little bit, the free agent wide receivers, tight ends, things of that nature that they may be able to benefit from having enough money to go get. Um, we also have uh, Ijaro Evero, who the Panthers hire as their defensive coordinator. So several defensive coordinators out there. What you have on these jobs? I love all of these, man. Talk about making statements across the NFL. Going to Wilkes, like we've seen this happen with Salah, now D'Amico Ryan, now Steve Wilkes. Talk about not skipping a beat. And I think um, this is really it's a it's a great hire. Love it. Uh, going to Evero, I think Evero is like that's beastly, man. What he was able to do with that team, and I, some people can say all the ingredients were there and all these different things. Like no, these guys played with the lack of offense at a high level for more than two thirds of a season. I mean, of course, it's going to be regression when people aren't putting up points on the board. But man, it, and they also suffered a lot of injuries on Denver. I think that's another thing we got to keep in mind on defense. They had tons of injury. I think he's going to be able to put a great stamp on this defense. It's going to be amazing. 
Um, and then Flores, I'm, I mean, I'm glad he bounced back going from, you know, being on a Steelers staff positional coach to now a DC. I think, like you said, bridging the gap with this one. I think that this type of hire is, is a statement hire. We've seen what he's been able to coach as far as defense with his time in Miami. I think Miami had a stout defense of the first few years he was there. And, and we've seen a secondary uh, get together quickly and then talk about one weakness that they have at the moment is that secondary. You bring him and you, you draft the corner early. I think that might swing the division, in my opinion. And that about wraps up the news. We're going to go ahead and get into our free agent frenzy. All right, so we're going to start out with our quarterbacks. We're going to tell you who's out there. A few of them that we think have best fits, and uh, some of them have most likely scenarios. But starting with your quarterbacks that are going to be free agents, at the top of the list, as of right now, we have Daniel Jones. We do believe that he's going to be uh, re-signed by New York. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Jimmy G, Teddy Bridgewater. Geno Smith, who we do believe is going to be re-signed by Seattle, Andy Dalton, Mike White, and Taylor Heineke. So what are some of your best friends, most likely scenarios, guys that you think may not necessarily land on their feet and may not necessarily have a job to start the offseason? What do you have with our quarterbacks here? To your point, I think at this point we kind of got a strong understanding that Daniel Jones is likely going back to the Giants. Jimmy G, man, that's one that kind of stands out because it's going to be a lot of owners, you know. He's going to obviously have ties to the Raiders, maybe Tampa, New Orleans, even in the Jets debacle as well, too, as far as getting a veteran presence. He just has a winning presence about him. I think that's what's going to be the appeal. We've seen it even statistically. He just wins games. He doesn't have to necessarily throw the best you know, more, or the most accurate. He just He's a winner with the programs he's been under, so we can only, we can only ride that ship afar. Uh, but going to Geno is a really good one. Seattle will have an idea in mind to bring him back, but I think that conversation is going to start anywhere between 32 and $35 million. And that kind of puts them within that Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz kind of number. Talking about a, a team that's going under a rebuild and everything else. And then the draft position that we'll, we'll have coming into the draft. Do we want to commit $32 million and we're already needing to revamp a defense and everything else? He's played outstandingly well to earn, to earn some of that money. Yeah, because I was going to say, you world? know, minimally need him for a year to give, even if you go, you know, draft a quarterback, that younger guy is normally minimally going to need a year or two. Hell, Gino needed like six, seven years to finally get it. But when it clicked, it clicked. In many cases, the NFL is doing a lot of these young guys a disservice thinking they have to come in and be the guy or they're out on their behind. I really believe that in some cases, some of these younger guys would have been best served to, you know, kind of sit back, relax and watch and see what's going on. We did not put Derek Carr on this list because although he is likely to be moved, he's likely to be traded. He's not actually a free agent, but where he is traded will actually have an effect on many of these guys. There's a likely scenario here where depending on what some of the, like say for instance, the Jets, if they can't get an air Aaron Rodgers, right? Or if let's say New Orleans can't get Carr for whatever reason, he goes, let's say he gets traded to Tampa, whatever the case may be. A few of these quarterbacks, like a maybe an Andy Dalton, I don't want to say it out loud, but a Baker Mayfield may be able to fill in a spot for just a very little while. <laughs> you got teams like Carolina that won't have a quarterback. 
Um, Sam Donald's leaving. They are likely to draft a quarterback. But again, unless maybe Matt, what is it, Matt Carroll, Matt Corral, unless he's maybe at least good enough to go for a year where that rookie has an opportunity to kind of learn the ropes a little bit. But this new regime didn't draft him. So they, they don't have any, you know, reason to hold him in high regard. But there's several teams that are just going to need a guy. I can see Mike White getting an opportunity. Why not? If you're Houston, you don't want to go with Davis Mills, but you don't want to put your rookie out there week one either. Why not let a Mike White or a Taylor Heineke type have a few weeks or even the first year while you get your rookie together? No one, no one has high expectations of you to you know reach these ceilings in year one of that rookie's career. So some of these guys may be stopgaps. Do you think that this list is even worthy of that or would they be better off with the rookie? With the current evaluation I have on on the rookie class, it's much better than last year. There's again, there's no definitive Andrew Luck kind of conversation, the Trevor Lawrence conversation. But what I will say is, from the the aspect of Stroud and Bryce. You have a lot of high energy, a lot of uh, pro-ready players from those two skill sets. And just like we've seen this trend, if you can marry the coach and the offensive staff to fully embody these kids' uh, you know, play styles, like we've seen with Trevor and just recently Justin Fields, they'll have the ceiling to do a lot of great things. I like this list. Uh, like, you know, Heineke, you know, I've been a big fan of Heineke. I think he should have got a start last year after wait- leading them t- uh, so close into the playoffs. He deserved a shot. He didn't get it because of Carson Wentz. Even Teddy, man, you, you know, Teddy Baker, I think out of all, I was going to say Teddy, but Baker out of all of them, he's going to get a definitive backup spot somewhere that's going to be a QB needing team. Maybe even New Orleans. Somebody, you know, they like to have these acclimation projects, you know, Andrew Dalton, Jameis Winston. Baker Mayfield might be just, you know, somebody to throw in the mix there. But I think so, it just comes down really to those main guys, the Jimmy G, the Genos, just know where to go. I think Mike White uh, is a solid player. I don't think he's one, like you said. He could be a bridge. He can, they can. Those other players can be someone who can compete with an eventual rookie. But I just see it from the, the top guys, man. Like I said, Gino, I think is a real moving piece. Like you said, with Aaron Rodgers, car up in the air. I think his services comes up a little bit before Jimmy G, in my opinion. I know Jimmy G is a winner, but. The way Gino was throwing the rock this year is—I don't want to say it's a, a, an elite level, but it's—it's—it's it's, it's really nice the type of throws he's able to make, the, the trajectory, the spin that he puts on the ball. He played himself into some money. That's—that's that's what I'm trying to get to. Let's move ahead onto the running backs. This group has some very notable names, and for some of them, they may be kind of heading on out the pasture. For others, they're just kind of venturing into their first money contracts. We have Saquon Barkley, who is going to be a free agent. Um, We have Kareem Hunt, Rashard Penny, Jamal Williams, Josh Jacobs, Mark Ingram, Raheem Mostart, Deontay Foreman, Miles Sanders, Jarek McKinnon, Dearness Johnson, Daryl Williams, Latavius Murray, and Kenyon Drake. So interestingly enough, you have two running backs here that are on the same team in Kareem Hunt and Dearness Johnson. I can kind of see Cleveland possibly letting both of them go due to the fact that they have Chubb, they have Ford, and then they had another guy who I believe was a rookie. I don't remember who he was, but running back is one of those positions where you don't have to have quite as much there. You can pretty much kind of go out and just grab a guy if need be, but 
they have their big dog and Chubb, and I don't think they're going to be able to offer Hunt enough money. There's several teams that could buy for his services if Tampa Bay maybe wants to move away from Leonard Fournette. He and Rashad White would make a good pairing. If Buffalo wants to go ahead and get a guy that would make a nice pairing with James Cook, with um, Singletary, who's also a free agent, um, I forgot to mention. There are a few places that I think make sense. I think that New Orleans needs another running back. And Kareem Hunt and Kamara kind of have similar talent, if you will. I think actually Kareem Hunt at this point may actually slightly outweigh Kamara's talent and Kamara's likely to have a six-game suspension um, going into next year over some issues that he had over this past year that he hadn't gone to court for, uh, minimally a four-game suspension. So there's several guys in here that I think can be lead back somewhere else. Um, Miles Sanders is a guy that could be a lead back somewhere else. I would be surprised if Jerick McKinnon doesn't get re-signed by Kansas City. Daryl Williams, he did pretty good in Kansas City, went to Arizona, got hurt. He's a free agent now. Latavius Murray and Kenyon Drake kind of interest me in the sense of I don't know that they'll be readily given a job. They may be one of those wait on the injury, kind of like the, how they got to where they ended up over these last couple of years as well. But what do you have on this running back stash here? It really starts for me with between Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs, only because I see those teams like the, out of those two, the dominoes are going to start to fall after those two guys. Come looking at Miles Sanders, I'm like, where do you, do you where do you see a fit? Well, I, I could see him going back to the Eagles, but I also like him going to Chicago a lot as well. And then someone similar to like with Josh Jacobs is. I see him going to like the Eagles, Washington, even Miami would be a fit for something like Josh Jacobs. Yo, Chicago, if if they got Kareem Hunt and you got to deal with Hunt and Fields in that backfield. Yeah. I mean, I know I know Fields is a quarterback, but he he runs the ball about as much as the running back. So that's why I say dealing with both of them in the backfield, but that would be a nightmarish scenario. And then they wouldn't actually be spending quite as much on the running back position as if they were to go for like a quote-unquote home run hit of like a Saquon, if you will. Right, and I, I like Kareem Hunt too because I had him down like with Atlanta, maybe Denver, New Orleans, and Washington. I think what I'm what watching is like we know Brian Robinson is fairly decent. Um, I think he's going to mature into a really productive player. The upside of you know having a McKissick every year, having a Gibson every year, is that you can plug in a guy like Kareem Hunt who does both. And you're paying a little bit more, but you're also getting somebody who, you, like to your point, who's durable. I think he get, he has a uh, strong in his career, kind of splitting carries uh, for a few years, and also being kind of rested because of that incident that you know, right, uh, leading up to his departure from the Chiefs. You know, I, I think he's a really a really solid player. Jamal Williams, I think he has to go back to the line. I think he means so much to that organization that he'll be a great fit there. But again, that's a, I keep mentioning a name of redundancy. Miami is also another place because yeah, you might have most star. Well, most star is going is on this list as well. But considering uh, who might be available, you already know this guy's a two down back and he can catch. I mean, like you said, without spending too much, Jamal Williams, Kareem Hunt kind of sounds like those two guys that you kind of pick and you know and pair in tandem with somebody. And uh, who else I like on this list? Rashad Penny. I think Rashad Penny. Again, New Orleans being strapped for cash, but needing a running back to kind of fill in the void. Uh, Kareem Hunt, I think, is going to definitely get it, be garnered uh, this year. 
Sean Penny, I think he has the upside, the speed, the size, and you're not asking him. But to can be the he guy. stay healthy? I mean, he's right. been hurt every year. Like I, I want to believe in Rashad Penny. I really do. Like the talent is there, but she, like he's literally not been healthy a single season in his career. Like I just, I don't know. He feels like he's snake bitten, and I, I, this, this is one of those guys that he don't hear what I'm not saying. This is one of those guys that. If he can put together a string of two or three years where he only misses, let's say, two or three games, that would actually be a plus. If, if he can make it to where out of 17 games, he's available to you for somewhere between 12 to 14, he's done more than his job and you've gotten more than your money's worth. But his injuries are never small. Like his his injuries always seem to be catastrophic. Like season injury, season ending, we'll see you next year type stuff is what he normally gets. So he just scares the crap out of me. Agreed, agreed. What are your thoughts as far as Josh Jacobs is concerned? Do you think he'll end up staying with the Raiders? Or do you think someone's going to come a call in with a check that he just can't turn down and the Raiders are going to look stupid? Once again, because they didn't utilize his fifth year option, which would have basically given them two years. Now, now they can still tag him, but you look even dumber with the fact that now you're tagging them and you could have had them for a fifth year option and then tagged them. I was reading to interviews. Let me start by that. You know, like I'm one of the people I like to read, like I like to see what people say. I like to read what people closest to the organization, beat writers, and things like to say. It was telling how frustrated he was towards the end of the season about the play calling um, and just how things went overall and just not winning. Um, that was his main his main emphasis. This guy really, he clearly wants to win, and he shocked the world. Not even the world. I'm going to admit that I was one of those guys who kind of wrote him off because of injury and everything coming into the season. And, man, he, he, he wrote a check for himself. Uh, can the Raiders cash it? It's going to be kind of tough to do that, especially if they in the running for a new quarterback, uh, the rumors of Aaron Rodgers, and just in general, they only have $17 million coming into this year. Um, that's not a lot of money with a team that has a needs with the 28th-ranked defense um, on the other side of the ball. It kind of, like If I have to speak from what I'm seeing, I, I would have to move on from him. Would, I, would you want to give up a talent like that? No, but... I think he, you know, from what he's wanting to do going forward, he's going to want a winning team or he's going to want to be paid to what he just did on the field, my personal opinion. I couldn't agree more. He happened to show up and stay healthy and show out in the right year. So he bet on himself and y'all bet against him. And now either you got to pay him or watch him walk away. And that's just another position that you have to fill. I, I can see this coming back to bite Vegas in a, in a big way as far as Jacobs is concerned. Now, lastly, as far as running backs are concerned, I actually have two questions for you. First up, as far as Jerick McKinnon is concerned, is his best spot and most likely spot still going to be Kansas City? Or do you see him moving on to a team that kind of needs that scat back type guy? So I think with Jarek McKinnon, I think I'm kind of on the fence, right? Because we've seen, you know, we've seen his career obviously take a step forward. He's only 30 years old, right? I think he's going to be probably affordable. I think it's going to be likely. But there's also the dark horse of CEH, who's now going to be a go. True. So that definitely, they kind of play a similar role. So that in and of itself was going to almost right. make it a comedian. <laughs> so that might yeah, mess exactly. up everybody. 
And I think I think Jared got a little little bit on on the tire, you know, a lot of a lot on, you know, a, a little a couple years. I think he got two more years. I don't think he's a starter, but what he does complimentary, you know what I mean? Talk about a team that might that could use a scat back. You look at the Giants, you look at, you know, uh the Cowboys, if they, if anything was to go with letting Pollard become a free agent. There's so many teams that need that his skill set. He's still at a high level at what he can do in his in that role. And lastly, with Miles Sanders, I don't foresee the Eagles resigning him just based on the way they kind of have used him throughout his career. But what are some of the likely scenarios or best case scenarios as far as that type of a running back is concerned? Is, is his best case going somewhere and being the showcase guy? Um, do you kind of see a spot for that? Or is he most likely to become a part of a committee somewhere? And where do you kind of see that? most likely taking place or making sense yeah so with miles um and again there's somebody i was high on i was a year too a year too early we like to say and like pegging him to have that breakout i think miles honestly he's going to get a chance to touch again this is you know looking at salary cap and there's something we're going to touch on in later shows the eagle got 4.7 million in, in cap and that's dismal compared to all the unrestricted free agents they have coming up this year. He's yeah, they, be they basically that, went all in this year. Like, like if they yep. don't win this year, they're definitely going to have to retool in the offseason, definitely with the amount of free agents that they have and the minimal amount of cap that they have. But the cap is going up just a little bit. So if you have a GM that's worth their salt, the amount of cap space that you have don't really mean a whole lot. It's just knowing the direction that you're going in and how to move those contracts around so that you can get who you need and keep who you want. Yeah, I think typically any team to me that has at least $30 million or more, they're flexible enough to do a little bit of everything. Like you said, to your point, it's a lot of verbiage and things that they can move around to get about just anybody. But with $4 million and they have, I think they have like 19-plus undrafted free agents on for the Eagles, that's a lot. With only four million, it's it a little is bit, definitely a little bit impractical. You you got you got some teams that's like 20, 30 million over, so it could be Yo, worse. Yeah, and with that, and that's that's a whole that's a subject you know I love to talk about with these contracts. Um, a lot of what they what a lot of people are going to do is they've been giving uh, players the veteran minimum, and then they just convert the rest into a signing bonus to take all that cap space you know, off the books, the base salary off the books so they can have more money. And that's how teams like the Saints did it, how the Packers did it, and how they're going to do it this year as well, too. Uh, we're going to just see a lot of people getting a lot of signing bonuses this offseason to kind of take care of that. But as far as Miles going to your point, this guy's still up. To me, he he's only beginning. I think the tread isn't on the tires. He's been in the offense where he's somewhat the guy. It's almost like uh, Montgomery, right? Everybody's like – Give him the ball. Everybody was telling Nagy to get his man the ball. They gave him the ball. He had a good season. He turned into production. Same thing with Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders coming to season. Hey, if you want me for fantasy, don't draft me. They ain't giving me the ball. I got the ball. Now look what I'm doing kind of thing. Again, a team like Chicago, a team like Miami, who's, you know, that that guy away. And yeah, he isn't gonna... I would like him in Miami. I really Boy, would. That would be that, nice. That would be a good look. I would I wouldn't mind him being in Las Vegas if if uh Jacobs moves on. Shoot, that that's another good team. I think he's a he's a good player. I think, you know, again, just in situation, like you said, whether it was Gangwell, Kenny Brooks this season, Boston Scott, and then the other players he's had in the stable, we just only saw spurts. And we thinking it's like he has to step up 
Well, more or less, the last two years has been his lack of opportunity. Now they they under they trusted him with the ball this year, and we see him when you give him just a little bit of consistency. They didn't give him a crazy amount of touches, but we see him pay dividends with the consistency and the value. Not just giving him a twenty yard scamper and then he off the field for two series and then he comes back. No, nah, they gave him a, a good, a consistent amount, and we see him pay dividends. And I love to see that for him heading to a free agency. Let's move ahead on to wide receivers. One thing that I've noticed in the wide receiver pack going into free agency this year, it kind of leaves a lot to be desired. There's some specialty guys, and then there's some guys that kind of have certain skill sets or kind of like one-trick ponies, if you will. It's telling me that teams are going to have to depend quite a bit on either who they have or on the draft. So it's going to be kind of interesting in the offseason. But to name the wide receivers, we have Nelson Aguilar, Sterling Shepard, DJ Chark, Randall Cobb, Marvin Jones, Alan Lazard, Jacoby Myers, Juju Smith-Schuster, Jarvis Landry, Mac Hollins. I think the best wide receiver on this list, honestly, is Jacoby Myers. And I hope the Patriots don't end up getting rid of him or letting him walk away. All of these other guys, they, they have some fatal flaws in their games. Uh, some of them being helped. I can see a couple of them getting paid way more than they should because there aren't many other guys available. I can see Juju being smart and taking that one-year deal based on the fact that he knows that there aren't very many receivers out here this year. So his services may be highly sought after just based on what's not available. No one on this list is really all that impressed. Sterling Shepard can't stay healthy. Nelson Aguilar is just a guy at this point. He's kind of a one-trick pony. He can run really fast. He he looks good out there in pads, but he's rarely had very many games where you were like, oh, yeah, that's the guy that was drafted that high. Marvin Jones, he's an elder statesman now. He'll give you a couple of games, but nothing special. Alan Lazard, maybe he's the second or third, just depending on how you feel about Juju. Not very many guys that I would go running after. Mac Hollins is a guy that, you know, he's a piece you can add, a younger guy that when given the opportunity this past year when Renfro and Waller were out, he had several targets. So I can kind of see, you know, maybe him being a guy that maybe Vegas wants to hold on to or someone else may kind of get him to be, you know, just another guy, but he can't be that guy if it makes sense. So this whole wide receiver group is, like I said, not very impressive in my humble opinion. A lot of cap casualties are going to come from these premier receivers, which we kind of alluded to when in previous shows mentioning DeAndre Hopkins uh, prior to, and also looking at Mike, Mike Evans being available and a few other uh, players, uh, veteran players being available because of these cap casualties. Um, looking at this list, like you said, you kind of really called it out there with um, Jacoby. I love Jacoby. And I, I think um, it's one of the things as far as like fantasy relevancy, I don't really think about him. But when I see him to play on the field, I don't even think he's really ascended yet. And he's been in the league for um, quite a few years. I think his best football is ahead of him. And I think he was underutilized uh, in this past year and even the years prior because of like the Kevin Bournes, the Aguilars, and how the ball was just kind of distributed. He's in line to kind of go somewhere and fill in a role of a good second receiver, even a first receiver, depending on opportunity. 
That's like another that. guy that I would love for Chicago to go after. I really think he would fit in well in well there in that offense. That'd be good. Mooney, Claypool, and then Myers. I think that's a that's a good amount of receivers to give Phil. That'd be perfect, actually. I, I love that assembly of receivers you just put out there. And, and then I still think that they should go out and draft one of the receivers that Phil's had in college. I don't know if you want to draft the receiver as high as Njigba uh, is going to go, but, you know, just saying. No, I, honestly, and that, see, that's, that's, that's going down the rabbit hole, so I'm just going to pivot to another receiver. Like you said, out of this list, it's not, it's not many to really hold your head to. Like you said, Hollins is. I think Hollins might come back to the Raiders. I think success over success. Um, I don't see him being able to be a fit in another offense in the same way that he had with the, his success with the Raiders. So I think he'll come back. Alan Lazar. I think he kind of talked himself to going somewhere else. If it wasn't for Hodgins, Isaiah Hodgins becoming a good player with the Giants, I would have saw him slide into the Giants uh, good as day. Um, I think Lazar might get a few looks. DJ Chark, I think, is somebody who is going to get an opportunity to be a wide receiver, too. Uh, similar to the chances he got with the Lions. I think he just was beat out by a plethora of receivers. They have Reynolds, uh, Raymond, Ratliff, Amon Ra. Um, Jameis Williams came back the last few games, and it really— TJ Hawkinson for a whole lot of those games, too, who might as well have been a wide receiver. And, and, they think, had, and they had two running backs that receive out of the backfield. So exactly. And I think a whole lot of miles him, of feet. Exactly. I think that placed him kind of being able to get a few more looks in a different offense. I'm not saying he's a stud player, but I think he's going to go somewhere for at least a few years, maybe even the Giants. Because the Giants going to be down three receivers in free agency, albeit obviously Sterling Shepard being one of those. But they have two other receivers that's going to be free agents. He's going to definitely get a good look there. I think Nelson Aguilar. I don't know. I think he he done with the NFL. You you don't think he'll he'll hop on anywhere? I think it's going to be he's going to hop on a team out of you know to have a roster. You know you got to have a certain amount of right. people going into the season. Right, right. I don't think he make. <laughs> I don't think he make it. <laughs> I mean, I can see maybe I can see him catching on at Arizona. I mean, they might no, lose Hopkins and AJ Green in the same year. No, they got to get size over there with them too, man. You still got. Oh, or, or maybe that's the DJ Chark spot. To get, man, like they, you said, they need size. There you go. Or Alan Lazar. See, man, any, <laughs> any one of them can fill in that role, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just size and speed. I mean, that's basically what it is. Shoot. Now you're right about that. I think you said because I think also because of the cap casualties and things of that nature. Some of these players is going to be made readily available for trade. It's this wide receiver class is not going to look good as free agents, but overall with the moving pieces, it's going to be nice to watch the offseason with these these wide receivers in play. In the last group we have up, tight ends: Mike Gesicki, Dalton Schultz, Evan Ingram, Robert Tunyon, Hayden Hurst, Dan Arnold, and Austin Hooper. I honestly like every tight end in this group if he ends up in the right situation. Mike Gusecki can go off if he ends up in the right situation. Dalton Schultz has already gone off in Dallas. If he stays there, I can see more of the same as long as he remains healthy. But there are a few offenses out there that if he were to go there, that they focus a little bit more on the tight end. He's another guy that can go off. Evan Ingram, we saw he bet on himself this year. 
I honestly believe that if it were any other year, he and Jacobs would have missed more time than what they did this year. But they know that they kind of knew they had to get it out. And, and, and this was for all the marbles, if you will. But he's another guy that when healthy, he showed you what he can do, especially when he's in a tight end centric offense. But if the Jaguars choose not to bring him back, and I believe they also had Dan Arnold. So they may be, they may go young, or there are a couple of guys that are on this list that they may get grab two of them. If Dalton Schultz were to be in that Doug Peterson offense to the moon, Mike Gasaki to the moon. Like if they were in that offense, a healthy Evan Ingram, if he is to remain in said offense to the moon. So I can see a lot of these guys kind of showing and proving just depending on the situation. Robert Tunyon may take a hometown discount in Green Bay. He's been hurt a lot. Uh, Hayden Hurst, I think the best thing for him to do is stay where he is with Cincinnati. Austin Hooper, I don't know. I had such high hopes for him with the Titans, but for most of the year, they either really weren't passing the ball or Tanya wasn't in there who kind of passed the ball the most to the tight end, or they were using multiple tight ends and not really putting him in a position to succeed. So he's another guy that if he's the guy at tight end, he can catch the ball, he can block, he can produce. But he's just going to have to go somewhere where he can do all that for a team. Tight end is really uh, shaky because, like you said, I think Dalton goes back to the Cowboys. Ingram should, I would think, go back to the Jaguars. If not, this man is going to cash in, close, I think, higher than the the $11.3 million for the franchise tag for the tight end. He's going to exceed that clearly by how well he plays. I don't. I don't see a reason how he gets past the Jaguars, in my opinion. To he's lead, been hurt every other year. He's he's another one of those guys that scares the crap out of me, to be honest with you. Yeah. The talent is there, but the only year that you've been able to make it through is the year that kind of depended on your paycheck. That that screams red flag to me. But yeah. But <laughs> the the amount of you know the hundred yard games and the you know the sixty yard catches, the amount of just what he's done on the field. It's like Josh Jacobs. It's like there's one healthy year. This month these people go nuclear and they cash in on what they do. And I, you know they go he gonna get paid a premium. The second to your point, I mean this dude goes like you said to any offense, he's gonna have a resurgence because it wasn't him in Miami. It's more or less what he wanted to be paid and they had to get a diminished return on on what he was asking for he wanted to be paid like a slot receiver you know a wide receiver pretty much tight end like a hybrid and they weren't willing to, to kind of compensate going into the season and we saw him have a diminished role with smite and uh, hunter long who aren't the best tight ends in the world i think even going to a team to add in there washington who's been having a flux of injuries between logan thomas and, and company get you someone who's who's very healthy and someone that can return to form like that that's just going. I think that's what's going to take off for him and his opportunities. But he can go to a plethora of different places as well. The Panthers, you know, for example, and Daniel Bellinger isn't a lot, a lot, you know, to speak on for the Giants. Go ahead, Giants, and get you a guy like Gasecki. I'm someone who isn't on the list, but I, I like. It's going to be Foster Moreau, who's going to be another free agent. I think this guy is going to because. Oh damn! Guys, I forgot to put Foster on the list. My bad. Did, did I forget anybody else that you could think of? It's probably a few. I think these were the, this was a, a great group to kind of highlight because to your point, they're going to go somewhere and either return somewhere or they're going to uh, have some return, being able to be a contributor relative to fantasy and dynasty. But Foster Moreau in particular stands out to me only because, of the, again, we got to look at, even though the salary cap is going up, the only at, it's at the expense of certain skill positions. 
And I think once teams start filling in their roster, t- tight end needy teams aren't going to be able to afford the Kasekis, the Schultz, and the Ingram. And someone like Foster Moreau, who his career has been like, it, it, on paper, you don't find anything that's really insightful other than his red zone productivity. But we've seen in the last two years when they asked him to do a little bit more, he has a bit of a vertical threat to him. He has, in my opinion, a Goddard to him, where even this year he's averaged what uh, his average uh, reception was at 12 yards of reception uh, coming into this year. All his things that he excelled in is in that vertical aspect. I have gone uh, to a team like Miami. Frank Smith is already there, who who already coached him uh, his time with Oakland. And it's time for him to cash in on what he just did. And for a team that's, like I said, you can't afford the set, you can't afford Schultz, you can't afford Evan Ingram, you can get his guy, you know, Conklin money. Conklin uh, contract averages $6.7 million. Then you're going to plug in a kid that's 26 years old and, and a, you know, has a positive ability to kind of contribute and take the next step as a tight end. Go for it. You're going to be able, you know, like I said, affordability is king. And, like, though the cap number went up, more or less, it's at the expense of certain skill position, and that's the tight end. One of the being one of those groups this year. I think he's going to cash in somewhere. He's going to get about six million a year easily. And so I think it's somebody we kind of keep on our dynasty radar, and then we can discuss further into the season. But I like Foster Moreau to cash in really big, man, this year. That about wraps up the free agent list. Let's go ahead and look at this weekend's big game: the Super Bowl picks and best bets. It's the big weekend. It's the big game. We have a stage set that I believe is going to produce some fireworks. We have a team with an amazing defense with a team that has a quarterback in the offense that just doesn't seem to slow down no matter what you throw at it. So I'm very much looking forward to this weekend. What are your thoughts as far as the weekend is concerned? What do you expect to see? What I hope it to be is competitive. Honestly, this is a great matchup. You got one of the best passing teams against one of the best pass defensive teams, one of the best offensive uh, lines in the football against one of the best defensive, like every, you know, well, for those two aspects, at least, uh, those are tr- two great matchups I'm looking forward to, man. It's going to, you know, obviously I want to watch the the commercials. Can you know, that's when they preview a bunch of movies. You get the extended trailers to what we've been seeing for the past two months. So I love stuff like that. Obviously they've been doing a better job with these uh, pro- halftime performances the last couple of years. So I'm, I'm excited, bro. Okay. So you mentioned two things, commercials and halftime performance. I absolutely love to come see the Super Bowl is the one football game of the year (laughs) where there is nothing that I don't want to see because the game is great and the commercials are normally pretty good. Or I have a fun time talking shit about them on social media of how bad they may have been. So either way, it's entertaining for me. There's no downtime in the Super Bowl, really. The halftime show, we have the incomparable Rihanna. So obviously, Ooh. we're all going to enjoy the the Super Bowl halftime show, even if it's for various reasons. So I, I can't wait for that. But this game, man, like these are really two teams that if they let it go and let them do what they do, it can really be a classic game. But I have to momentarily put on my betting hat and I have to tell the people. <laughs> What Vegas is saying and how that may sway my thinking just slightly. However, I'm going to go ahead and ask you your picks. Who you got? Kansas City 
or Philly? So this this is not gonna be no surprise. I think I, obviously I show a bias to being from you know New Jersey metropolitan area. I'm just impressed by Philadelphia personally. This is gonna be one of those games that's gonna be decided by what people decide to do in the beginning of the third quarter. Uh, that's going to kind of lead into the fourth. I think the per- whoever the whatever team is bound to win is going to pull away by the fourth quarter. That's my personal opinion. I personally seen it going towards the the Eagles, in my opinion. All right, so this is one of those rare times where I'm afraid. <laughs> let me let me explain why it is I'm afraid. My football mind and my betting mind are telling me the same thing, and it scares me because they rarely line up, and I just have to kind of go with the gut feeling. But my gut tells me Philly. My betting mind says since 62% of the public is on Kansas City, and I just read an article this morning that says this will be the highest bet upon game in the history of Vegas. We're talking like $16 billion on this one game, right? So the fact that 62% of the public is on Kansas City, only 38% of the public being on Philly, then you have the over-under, which is at 51 Great over under telling me that we should see some fireworks, but 62% of the public is on the over. There's no way that I see both public bets going. So I have to ask myself what's more likely when there's only um, a spread of one and a half. So the spread really isn't of the utmost importance. Um, we've seen some one point games, which could happen because that have could kill the public basically, but. What I'm seeing in this one is the likelihood of Philly and the under are kind of apropos. But then that's also what my football knowledge is telling me. And the reason I say that is this. If they can do anything at all with Travis Kelsey, they can pretty much one-on-one with the wide receivers out there. There are no wide receivers that are going to be anything special. So then you have to deal with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and you have to deal with Pacheco. Their defensive line and their linebacker should have no problem with those two particular running backs. So unless Patrick Mahomes is at like 110%, I see this being a case where a defense is going to win a championship. Now, Kansas City's defense isn't a joke at all. And Chris Jones can make life a little rough for Jalen Hurts, but Philly just went up against the toughest defense in the league. Kansas City ain't that. So in my humble opinion, it makes me believe that Philly and the under makes sense because both defenses are good enough to give the other team trouble. But I think that the Philly defense can give Patrick Mahomes a little bit more trouble than what Kansas City can kind of give to Philly. And Philly can also stay balanced throughout the game based on the fact that they legit have three running backs and their quarterback in the last game of the season. Oh, we're throwing caution to the wind in this one. If he got to run the ball 20 times, that's exactly what the hell he going to do. I can see the nuances within Philly's offense being slightly too much for Kansas City's defense. Although Kansas City's offense being led by the new goat with the old goat heading out and retiring. That's the scary part. Does Vegas prevail or does the NFL storyline prevail? Because the NFL storyline would obviously be the old goat retires. The new goat is definitively crowned as far as the guy that's in the game right now, who's the only guy to be anywhere close to being in consideration to being what the guy that just retired. So I know that was a lot to (laughs) throw out there, but how do you feel about that? 
synopsis? Like you said, a lot of this is going to come down to the defense. And I, but I think what to add on to what you're saying is we've seen the Eagles, if it, they had any weakness this season considerably, was has been the run. And I think that's one thing that we're going to see a lot of and a thing that they, I think they're going to be consistent in is stopping the run. On the opposite side of it, uh, as far as the tight end, between Edwards and I forget, Kazir White, those guys had like over seven pass deflections apiece. Like, and they linebackers. Like, you know what I mean? Epps is obviously going to have a tough task against Kelsey. But I think with this defense, there's not one player that uh, outside of Kelsey – that is going to command their attention. They can literally put Darius Slay on MVS and then that's a game because of how well Bradbury has played. Then obviously my guy that came from New Orleans is back healthy. Gardner Johnson, he's back healthy for this matchup. The yeah, biggest Slay guy back. between Slay and Bradbury. God, I want to say Bradbury's like, I think almost 6'2". Let me go look it up real quick while we talk. Because I mean, that's- what I would do is I would put whoever my, my, my biggest in most skilled cornerback, I'm having that guy as well as a linebacker on Kelsey, and we going man on everybody else. The defensive line is good enough to do what they need to do against Pacheco and, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I'm not scared of either one of them. If you slow down Kelsey, the other pieces aren't good enough to get them over the top, in my opinion. No, and I think that, I think that's going to be the fulcrum of it, right, is that – and this this offense main steam is Kelsey because Kelsey Kelsey's that guy, man. Kelsey's definitely a guy. It's gonna be it's gonna be a committee, man. Just like how we've seen it a lot in defense where it'll look like it's covered two or it look like some principles of man and it comes covered two and then the linebacker passes it off to the safety or a certain based on the concept of a route, if it's an outbreaking route, you know, the linebacker, you know, follows the the tight like, I think they're gonna play Kelsey. Like they have to. Let me let me not say what they're gonna do. They'll have to play Kelsey really well because we you know how it is with Kelsey. Kelsey would get chunks after chunks after chunks. And next thing you know, he's gonna put up three touchdowns and 150 yards. (laughs) (laughs) But I think if they can stop that, I don't see anybody else going off on them though. Honestly, it's it's all volume after that because they said this this is a good matchup because they say you take out Kelsey. Bradbury, Slay, and then Gardner Johnson, them boys is dogs, man. And you got, you got, you know, Mahomes being hunted for. Just like we had in that matchup where I put out, I point out like a Mike T for the 49ers, he gave up the most sacks on 18. They're going against another right tackle matchup for Reddick this week. This guy on their team, the right tackle, gave up seven sacks this year, which is bon appetit for Reddick, who's going to be on the right side. Going against another person who's susceptible. If you, if it's one weakness to the Chiefs' offensive line, it's on the right. And, uh, and what the we know Reddick is, to do. If he has anything close to a real high ankle sprain and you can't quite get up the way you normally would, there's a slight hitch in your get up. You're not getting away from your defensive lineman of the Eagles. I mean, I, I hope he can run because he's going to have to, on several plays, he's going to have to run. You saw that against the 49ers, and none of them had lower body injuries, and they were able to. To, to be gotten to. <laughs> and the pressure is going to be something different. I think a lot of the sacks came from just a four-man front. It wasn't that much exotic about it when they were sacked. Again, I think they're one of the top offensive line this year. This pressure is it's just different, man. It's been a long time since we've seen well, – I don't think we've ever seen this deep of a, a, a talent. Never. From just the front four. Bro, just the front four. Brandon Graham is a backup, right? Yep. You remember Vander was talking about how many sacks, who was it, Demarcus Lawrence with the Cowboys had? The backup. Yeah, 
the, 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 the rotation guy for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I want to say he has seven, if I'm not mistaken. Brandon Minimally, Green had he has six. Sweat had 11. Hargrave had 11. Fletcher Cox had, God, I think he had like, he wasn't double digits, but he was like seven as well, too. But Fletcher Cox is a defensive tackle. I mean, my Bro. God, if the defensive tackle got so that's what Hargrave got like, 11. He's a, he's a defensive tackle. And we're not even talking about the run stopping capability of Jordan Davis. Jordan I Davis mean, healthy. Like- Come on, man. Like, it's a lot going on. That's all I'm saying. It's a lot going on. (laughs) The only thing that makes Kansas City win this weekend is if the NFL says, screw Vegas, we're going legacy, and Patty Mahomes is the dude going forward. If football prevails and it's not a bunch of funny business with, with the calls and stuff, the Eagles should have this. And the fact that football and Vegas align. I got to say that Philly and the under are the best bets yeah. for certain. Yeah, I think what's really going to fall apart for them is that their their defense is they play one way. And Chris Johnson is an anchor to that defense. I love Frank Clark. I think he's still getting it done at a good level. But we've seen this secondary get torched. And it's like you got to pick your poison with this offense, man. Because That's the other they, part. Spagnola. Let, let, me, let me quote Vander real quick. Spagnola only play one way. <laughs> he gonna keep on doing the same damn thing. He get torched. He don't care. He gonna keep doing the same damn thing. He hard headed, as my grandma would say. <laughs> Shout out to my guy. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, before Smith or Brown could get hot and get going quickly. And the thing about it is, I don't think it's potent as Kansas City's offense is. I don't think they can do what they do to that defense. I mean, anything can happen, but I just, I see the Eagles, they they went all in, and, and I think it pays off. It's just like the to me, it's like the Rams almost when the Rams went and, and loaded Similar, up. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the same tooling in a sense, but this here in the trenches of it, I think that's where it is because Mahomes has escapability. We all know he he gets out of some situations if his injury stays true to what it was as a high ankle sprain because he played like he ain't have nothing wrong with him. This is one of those Facts. like we said last week, run for your life opportunities. These boys is coming to hunt. All of them hungry, all of them and, dogs. And never discount how easy it is to re-aggravate an ankle. Mm. It only takes one or two tackles and, and you going down the wrong way to, to aggravate or re-aggravate an ankle. So, and that's the one of the many injuries that you may have simply by being gotten to. There's that part of yeah. it. Yeah. But I, 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 I can't I wait for this weekend. It's a great matchup. Man. This should be an epic Super Bowl. This this is going to be one of the Super Bowls that, that we remember for a very long time, no matter which way it goes. I'm kind of glad that I don't have a dog in the fight. That's right. I can just kind of relax and enjoy what I think is going to end up amounting to being a hell of a game. Yeah, man, man. Same here. And that pretty much wraps it up for this week. We'll be back to you next week. We should have the full crew. A young Vander was uh, gallivanting abroad or whatever the hell. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll be back to you next week with the full crew. Until then, we out. Peace.